Hey friends, as a church leader, you know that your ability to execute your vision comes down to staffing, facilities, and programming. All three of those things are fueled by one thing. That is generosity. Generosity is the fuel that drives your ministry engine. We are always trying to learn how to grow and create cultures of generosity that help fuel the vision. I want to introduce you to my friends over at The Giving Church, a brand new sponsor here at Unseminary, and they really do want to help. I love these guys, and you should lean in with them. Visit thegivingchurch.com forward slash unseminary for a free PDF. It's five ways to grow your church giving. The Giving Church, led by generosity coach, founder, and just amazing guy, Phil Ling, has worked with nearly a thousand churches of all sizes, including the size of your church in 40 different denominations and raised over a billion dollars to fuel incredible ministry. Don't run out of fuel for your ministry. Visit thegivingchurch.com forward slash unseminary today for your free PDF, five ways to grow your church giving. Again, that's thegivingchurch.com forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. I've been really looking forward to today's conversation for a while. Uh, We are talking with Joseph Bergobin from Frankenmuth Bible Church. It began in 1982 after a group of like-minded Christians started meeting together in a home in Frankenmuth, Michigan to dig deeper into studying scripture. Today, Frankenmuth uh, Bible is a growing gospel-centered church uh, really gathering of believers that are gathering together for the purpose of magnifying Jesus through passionate corporate worship, solid Bible teaching that's clear, relevant, and practical to everyday living. Joseph is the lead pastor. So glad. And a mutual friend with Dave Miller. Shout out to Dave. We love Dave. Uh, Joseph, so glad that you're here today. Oh, thanks so much, uh, Rich. It's an honor for me to be part of this podcast, so I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, honored that you would uh, take some time to be here. Uh, We're recording this right before Christmas, although through the magic of podcasting, it'll come on after Christmas, which is entirely appropriate because Frankenmuth, Michigan, in my brain, it's like where Christmas really comes from. Tell us a little bit about the church. Tell us about, kind of set the scene, give us the context for, uh, for Frankenmuth Bible. Yeah, sure. And well, I mean, you referenced the fact that we're Christmas town, right? So Frankenmuth uh, is our claim to fame is we have the largest Christmas store in the world. At least I think that that stat is still true. Uh, and we're known for fried chicken and stuff like that. So um, love it. Popular, popular tourist stop for people in Michigan. But uh, yeah, our our church really started, like you mentioned, uh, 1982. Um, it actually the, the Bible study started in 1981, and in the beginning of 1982, it started. Um, but uniquely, we're in a, a small town that was founded by German Lutheran uh, settlers, and they founded mm. a church uh, mm-hmm. in the 1800s, and that's really been a staple in our community. But um, in 1982, there's a group of people who really didn't have a, a tribe they belonged to, and they mm. were doing a, doing a Bible study and wanted to have a, a church that really dug into the scriptures. And mm-hmm. so they started Frankenmuth Bible Church. So it just started in a living room. Then they started meeting in a, a school um, and a, a gym for a little while at the local uh, elementary school. 
And after a few years, they, you know, scrounged up enough money to buy some, some land and build a building and, and here we are. So that's kind of how it all started. Well, I'd, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this story because it really is a turnaround story in a context that is, you know, like, how would you describe Frankenmuth outside of the Christmas stuff? It is kind of rural, you know, environment kind of tell us a little bit about that story. Give us the context of kind of where you're at and then let's talk about this turnaround. Sure. Um, I, you know, this is maybe tricky if people aren't native Michiganders, but if you're sure. from Michigan, you always hold up your hand to describe where you are in the state of Michigan, right? <laughs> Get the glove. It's, it's, yes, that's right. It's shaped like a mitten. And so um, uniquely, uh, Frankenmuth happens to be at the point where we we would say it's kind of the the gateway to the thumb, right? So, mm. so the thumb is term- terminology that's used in Michigan. And the, the further you go toward the thumb, uh, the more remote and rural you get. And so mm-hmm. we're a, a community uh, a lot of farmers, um, mm-hmm. obviously being in Frankenmuth, we have a lot of uh, tourism. So we do have a lot of people mm-hmm. who work in tour- tourism industry here, mm-hmm. but we, we're one of the kind of small towns that's closer to some larger towns, but toward the thumb, you, you just get further and further more remote. So basically, right. um, our, our context is we have just a lot of people who, you know, are, uh, Midwest hardworking farmers, mm-hmm. um, and uh, small density population, but, um, just great people in a great community, a great place to live and raise kids, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I, I want to dig into this today. Part of the reason why I want to dig into this story is I think so many times we can focus on, and, and that's been my context, the kind of suburban context, you know, large, fast growing communities and to see a church like yours that has been growing quickly, uh, over these years is, is I think inspiring for so many of us that are listening in. So kind of take us back, um, you know, kind of before the transitions that you've been seeing over these last number of years, give it kind of set the context a little bit. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I, I ended up, uh, joining the team in 2012, right? So when mm-hmm. I came in, our church was right around 400 people, which was really, um, pretty sizable for our region. Uh, Frankenmuth mm-hmm. has, um, 5,000 people in Frankenmuth proper. And mm-hmm. I believe the Lutheran church has technically over 5,000 members, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it just, in terms of just the, the community, it's, it's not a very big community, but we, we were running the rate around 400, but it was a, a season of transition. I got hired in as the worship pastor, um, and, uh, didn't know at the time, but there was a lot of leadership challenges that were going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, about nine months in our senior leadership, there was a transition in our senior leadership. And so, um, our, our senior pastor, uh, transitioned out and, uh, we kind of fo- found ourselves in a season where, uh, we began to decline pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we had a handful of staff on the team, but staff started having to step out because we didn't have the finances to support them oh, wow. and the church just dwindled from there. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so for me, it was unique. It was my first rodeo, first time jumping mm-hmm. into ministry. I was the worship guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I was new. Um, and I did like to preach and teach. That was something that I had, mm-hmm. um, an, in- an interest in. And so basically a few, a few months into that transition, I got asked if I would help uh, occasionally fill in and, and preach. Uh, that ended up being about a three, three year period of time where, um, I was planning all the sermon series and preaching and I was also wow. leading worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's the one that's man where, show. <laughs> yeah. When, and, and if you know me, like ah, that's not me, man, I don't, I don't want, I'm, I don't need the spotlight. So it was super awkward. Um, sure. D- Dave, Dave Miller, that's actually when I eventually met him was during that mm-hmm. period of time, I eventually moved uh, in 2015, uh, I got asked by the elder board if I would consider uh, putting my name in the hat to be the lead pastor, and we mm. we prayed about it. At first, I kind of felt like I was uh, too young, not quite ready, but um, 
but after further prayer and reflection, I kind of realized, you know, the last few years, God had been preparing me for, for, for taking that next step. And so um, when I met Dave Miller, we were in the mm-hmm. process of trying to hire a worship pastor. And oh, okay. I was the senior pastor, I was the lead pastor, but I was also leading <laughs> worship at the same time. Yes. So um, so Dave came in and, you know, I was, you know, like leading worship and then switching out my my in-ears and try to, you know, adjust my microphone to preach. And oh man. It was it was all kinds of awkward, man. It was terrible. I mean, we we even this is how this is how bad it is, Rich. There was a period of time where um, you know, we were a small church. At that time we were about 200 people. Right. Right. And, uh, um, we, we had, uh, as the worship pastor, we had a larger church that had poached some of our musicians, you know, that, that's oh, small church man. problems. That stuff happens. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so, and so we had a few weeks where we didn't have a drummer and, you know, we we're kind of getting to a point where we, we needed a drummer. I, I play a little drums. I'm kind of a hack, but I play a little. <laughs> so I totally had a Sunday where it was like Phil Collins, right? Like I was on oh, the kit. Oh my goodness. Yes. Leading worship. You were leading from the kit. Oh yes. my goodness. That's great. Then I preached. It was the worst Sunday we've ever had. <laughs> okay. And I'm oh, so man. thankful we didn't, I'm so thankful we didn't live stream back then, right? So I'm sure there's a CD of that Sunday somewhere in the church basement that I, I want to oh, burn. Either way. Oh my goodness. It was, it was bad. So Okay. So, so let's fast forward to, so from Phil Collins Sunday, that's a vivid picture to oh, today yeah. what's that's kind of an brain. average weekend it's not just about the numbers but it does that's one indicator of kind of mm-hmm. what god's done in the church but kind of give us the the picture today and then we'll fill in the gap between the two yeah sure well i mean first of all just want to start by saying you know god has been so gracious to our church mm-hmm. um you know so good. Uh, obviously jesus has been at work in our community uh in our church family and uh, any of the success that we've had as a church, you know, I really want to give him all the credit and all the honor mm, um, amen. That's and all good. praise for that. But we've also got a great team. And so, you know, part of that process was along the way we, we built a great team. And so today we've mm-hmm. got really a solid team of people who um, I work with that are just so helpful and so great in ministry. And they um, just are amazing to work with. Mm-hmm. But today, you know, roughly, I would say uh, we're probably running on average around uh, about 1150 mm-hmm. uh, on a That's Sunday great. morning. That's so, great. um, yeah. And, uh, and, and continuing to grow, we've, we've had, um, growth in attendance since 2014 every year, mm-hmm. you know, so we're continuing wow. to grow and, um, yeah. Love and that. we're a, a church, a church that has a, you know, we relocated to, we grew out of our old facility, which I can you know share some of that in a little bit. And we yeah, moved yeah. to a, a location downtown, we retrofitted, um, a facility. And so now we're downtown in Frankenmuth wow. and, um, and so yeah, good. Excited for excited for this week of Christmas services. So yeah, that's amazing. Well, I, you know, I'm sure I know there are people listening in that have their Phil Collins Sunday. They have that like, and maybe it was la- literally last Sunday. Like it was like they're like, oh my goodness, okay, I this is really bad. I'm I'm doing whatever their version of that is. I'd love to kind of walk through what was it that God used as you kind of saw that turnaround, because that is, that's dramatic. And I, I love the consistent growth over an extended period of time, like that having lived in a church that's grown within fits and starts, as opposed to like consistent growth over the years, man, I would way rather that kind of consistent growth than like, hey, we have a whole bunch of people show up on one Sunday. So let's talk a little bit about that. What would be some of those early things that changed, that shifted, that where you started to see, okay, we're getting some traction, we're heading in the right direction here? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, there's a number of things. You know, I think one of the big things for me is uh, when I stepped into the lead pastor role, we had just been through a season of transition, and it was tumultuous. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and I think anybody who um, 
who has been around the church world uh, for you know longer than a day, you mm-hmm. you know the reality is even though it's the bride of Christ, even though we are sanctified people, even though we've been saved by grace and mm-hmm. and uh, and there's so many blessings about being in a, in a church. The reality is church can be messy and mm-hmm. church can be difficult, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt sometimes in the church. And so for me, <clears throat> one of the first things I did when I stepped into that lead pastor role is I just wanted to. Um, reassure the church family that I wasn't planning to go anywhere. You know, I think sometimes just giving uh, a sense of stability and trying to uh, project to a church family that, you know, we're in it together and mm-hmm. to try to, you know, just encourage that, uh, that body that had been through mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. um, that, that we have a, uh, if, you know, if God can raise the dead, uh, mm-hmm. he can, he can, he can work in our church and in the life mm-hmm. of our church. And so oh, a big man, part of that good. in the very beginning was just kind of just uh, projecting that to the, the church body and then mm-hmm. from there, a big part of it was just the rebuilding phase, you know. And so mm-hmm. uh, there was a number of things that for me that were huge. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, bringing on a, a solid staff team um, because we had lost a number of staff and and some key key positions that we needed. And so it was filling filling those gaps well. And then beginning to really build a small group ministry, I think that that was important. You know, even though mm-hmm. we were a church of two hundred, um, we really felt like like there was some momentum that God was already beginning to move within the life of the church, and we knew that as we grew. Uh, larger that we also needed to find ways to grow, grow smaller. And mm. so um, a lot of those things early on were, were huge. And honestly, mm-hmm. again, man, I, I got to just give, I mean, Jesus was just so good to us. You know what okay. I'm saying? Like, totally. Like, absolutely. it's funny. After, after we lost those musicians, I started praying for a drummer. And literally, uh, there's a guy that lived next door that started drumming for us. And Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Which was amazing, amazing. Right. So, and it's like, yeah. That's and then, uh, and then God started providing more people. And I mean, so it was just uh, to, to join the worship team. So, Amazing. I mean, he was just faithful too, and I think a big part of it was just you know just relying on the Lord for for that and uh, leaning into that for that season. Totally, um, but that was a big let, part let, of it initially. Yeah, let's dig into a couple of those. So, how do you take us back to those conversations when you're building your staff team? Um, how do you cast the vision for like? Hey, w- w- you should come join our team at Frankenmuth Bible. Um, you know, I think this is a problem we all face. It's like every everywhere across the country, every church leader I've talked to that's trying to hire people, they have some excuse for why they're the hardest place in America to hire people for. Like they, you know, I've had friends in Southern California say that. I've had friends in, you know, New York. I've had and I'm sure Frankenmuth is that as well. So how do you have that conversation? What what did that look like as you're con- connecting with kind of great team members to bring them on board? Yeah, I mean, I want to arm wrestle for that top spot of how hard it is to hire for Frank and <laughs> Michigan. Honestly, it, it's it's so hard, uh, and it can yes. be discouraging. And I totally get yep. that, you mm-hmm. know. And you can ask our, our mutual friend Dave Miller uh, how hard yes. it was to place uh, somebody <laughs> when he worked for story. Slingshot with us. <laughs> oh yeah, we we were tricky. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I think what I would say is I've learned a few lessons along the way. Um, first of all, what I would say is you know, as much as you can, try to be patient. Um, mm. You know, the worst thing you can do is be quick to hire. Um, you oh, want to hire yeah, the right good. person. Yep. And so so if you can backfill for a season, even if a ministry isn't perfect, but if you've got a high capacity volunteer who wants to step up um, to, to be patient, to hire well, I think that that's important. Um, another thing, this is just for me, at least, especially in a small town, rural community, Frankenmuth, Michigan, mm-hmm. I learned that um, sometimes you get involved in a search and you do this nationwide search. Um, and, and that can be really uh, cumbersome. And, mm-hmm. uh, the reality is even if we were to hire somebody from further away, they don't know Midwest, they don't know Frank, mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah, they so spend true. one winter in Michigan and they're going to be out, you know? So, <laughs> um, I, I, I moved toward a model where, where today I, I begin just with networking, you know, I, mm-hmm. I network with people and churches, um, 
uh, around this region that um, are, are doing things at a high capacity. And, uh, and, and the more I can try to have or, an organic search, mm-hmm. um, look within the church body, look within the surrounding community, that tends to work better. I, I, these days, I only hire Midwest just because it, there's a culture here, and mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I preserve that culture. Um, mm. But it's a hard process, man, and it, it just mm-hmm. takes time. Um, but but God has just really you know provided the right people at the right time, and and we also worked with some some search companies at different points, especially as we got larger and had some more resources. Um, but er, early on, man, it's a grind. I'll just say that mm-hmm. it's it's a grind. You just gotta work hard and and pray and and be patient. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, let's talk a little bit about the small group ministry piece of that. So that, you know, it's critical. It's, um, you know, I put that in the category of it's like block and tackle. It's the kind of thing that, hey, we, it's not, it's not sexy. It's not like, it's not, well, I ran a great Facebook ad campaign, but it is so critical. You know, churches cannot get over that 200 barrier without differentiating. You know, it was, it was intriguing to me that you, you answered around this turnaround, hey, you reassured that your own personal, hey, I'm not going anywhere, which I think is a critical piece of this puzzle. But then, you know, next step in line was like, hey, we've got to get people connecting with other folks. We've got to find ways for them to get connected. Talk us through some of those initial steps that worked well on, um, you know, really moving people into groups and how did that go? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was a trial and error thing. And uh, again, you know, being a young pastor, being in a, a, my first experience, you know, uh, that's one of those things in, in hindsight, I would have probably went and consulted for some, you know, some help in that area. Um, I read some books during that time, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. pastors like to read, read books. And so mm-hmm. I had an, you know, an initial model that I tried to roll out, uh, which was, a, um, I think on paper was great, right. That, you know, we want to have mm. such a diverse uh, approach. So there's the older and the younger and, and, and I think that that can be good. So I'm not, I'm not trying to knock that. That's a no, very no, no. healthy way. But, that, uh, yeah. but, but when you try to actually um, implement that, uh, mm-hmm. that became challenging for some people, you know, because it was like, um, so- sometimes people just want to organically, you know, if you're, if you're a, a mom with a couple kids and like life is hard, you kind of just want to rub shoulders with moms with a couple mm-hmm. kids when life is hard and mm-hmm. you can talk together. Mm-hmm. And so, so over time we pivoted and we, we just began to have more organic connections that people would naturally have in the life of the church. And we tried to form them in groups. And so initially that was a phase that we took. And, and, and I think that was really powerful because what we saw is, especially if there were people that were fringy in the church, we really mm-hmm. tried to plug them into a group right away because we knew if the worship was great and the teaching was good, they might come back again. But if they had a substantive relationship that they were plugged into, a tribe, a community, they, they, they were going to stay. And so for mm-hmm. us, it was trying to find those people who were kind of on the fringes and put them into a really vibrant, authentic community where they could get to know people at a, a really deep level and mm-hmm. um, pray together, uh, you know, grow together in their faith, uh, have a meal together. That, that was just mm-hmm. such a powerful way for us to build a strong core. Yeah, so good. Well, and there's that there's that tension there of, you know, we want people to develop relationships. You can develop relationships with those people that you have the 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 most kind of in common with, and so we we want to balance that with also helping people, you know, expand their social network and get to know people outside. We want to find a good tension between those two. Yeah. That's uh, you know, that's good, really, really good. What else early on when you say the so you know you start to align your staff team. You build up your small group ministry. What else uh, helped you in those early years to kind of um, continue to see people get connected and and see the church grow? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I think there were a number of things, but you know, one of the big you, you always talk about this. I know that you know you want to mm-hmm. get people out of the seats and into the streets, and I think that's a great uh, thing that that churches should really uh, focus on because the reality is we're 
we're in an age that's different than it was, you know, a decade ago, 20 years mm -hmm. ago, where, mm -hmm. you know, so we true. had a, a culture where people, um, you know, wanted to go to church. And sometimes you just had to be like cooler or better than the church down the road. I mean, whatever the right. strategy was. Yep. And the reality is people aren't looking for us today. I mean, largely, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. um, church people are, church people yep. are, but people in our communities, largely, um, they're not as interested in what, and what we're interested in. And so for us, a lot of times this idea of inviting people to come to church, um, I don't think that that's the best method, uh, to, in today's age. I think the reality is we, as the church, we really like to huddle together every Sunday and talk about loving people, but we never really break from the huddle and actually go out and do it. And so for us as a church, one of the steps that we took early on was we decided that we were going to do a wide, like a widespread serving initiative, mm. um, which you know churches do this all the time, and it, it's um, it's a, a great thing. You talk about it, I think, in your is it church growth flywheel. I mean, it's a great, yeah, great way to yeah. to, to mm -hmm. reach people. Um, but one of the things we did specifically in a small town that I felt like was really important. You know, small towns have this weird rivalry thing. You know, the sports teams play <laughs> each other, and so yes. if you're a neighboring town to Frankenmuth, you don't you don't really like Frankenmuth. You might come here uh. to shop at Christmas. <laughs> Yes. But you don't really like Frankenmuth. And um, and so because of that, we tried to bridge the gap between that that divide. And so what we would do is every year we would pick a different neighboring community um, and we would intentionally uh, like set up work sites. We'd spend six months, nine months working with the local government, setting mm -hmm. up as many work sites as we could. And mm -hmm. we would have a Sunday morning, uh, not a Saturday, a Sunday morning mm -hmm. wow. where we would gather in a different community. We'd have a brief time of worship and then we would break into our various work groups and serve throughout <laughs> the community. You know, we're wearing T-shirts and the T-shirts in the back say hashtag we love, you know, fill in the blank of whatever the, mm -hmm. whatever the town is. Mm -hmm. um, and we're all from Frankenmuth, but yet we're loving our neighboring towns. Love and it. We've had people over the years say, you know what, why don't you do a serve Frankenmuth event? And we've done some of those in the past. But mm -hmm. we want to project to the community that, you know, Frankenmuth Bible Church, because we love Jesus, we want to serve others first. And so mm -hmm. for us, that was a way for us to grow um, and expand outwardly. Uh, we, we cast a wider net because we're in a small community. And so um, and, and our goal is not to try to, to, to reach people who are already involved in the church. Our goal is to try to reach unchurched people. And, mm -hmm. and that's a big, big, big thing that happened, you know, over what happened over, I would say, several years from 2014 to 2017. Is mm -hmm. it kind of was like a snowball? We just started getting more and more people who were mm -hmm. either dechurched or unchurched who started checking checking us out. Mm -hmm. And for us, we found that when you love uh, others, uh, is, you know, it's it's funny, but sometimes Jesus knows what he's talking about. When you actually love others, <laughs> it's a good strategy. Um, <laughs> yeah, and 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 on your social media, you don't just promote how great of a church you are, but you actually right. celebrate other people's victories. Yeah, uh, that's so attractive. True. That's attractive mm -hmm. to a world that's skeptical about the church and skeptical about Christ, and so. Um, yeah, just things like that. Or, you know, we, we would buy, um, banners, uh, for, for like local sports teams. And when mm -hmm. they were in a playoffs, we would put the banner on our church. And like, you know, oh, I remember cool. I spent a hundred bucks on a banner and back then, you know, back in the day, it was like a hundred bucks is kind of a lot of money. And, yeah, and yeah, someone was yeah. like, I don't know, you know, that's a lot of money on that banner. But the funny thing is we put it out on the church and we were in the front page of the local newspaper because like the community mm. was so impressed oh, that we cool. were celebrating someone's, you know, a sports team. And so, um, hmm. I, you know, for me, that's one of the big things is if you're trying to reach the community around you, you got to start to love the things that people love, mm. you know, mm. uh, people love kids. So mm. we started a Christ centered basketball league for kids, kindergarten through second grade. And this basketball league, you know, they learned the fundamentals of basketball, but then at halftime they'd, they'd recite memory verses and the kids would get points on the scoreboard, you know, for reciting memory verses. So just yeah, it's so cool. fun outward initiatives to, to begin to say, Hey, we don't just want to talk about loving people. We actually want to do it. 
Yeah, I love that. And you uh, graciously, you know, mentioned some of the research that we've done and with this magnetic community service, this idea of um, getting our people out of the seats into the streets, actually serving our community. People want to be a part of a church that makes a difference. And even, you know, from the kind of mechanic side of church growth, they want to tell others that they're a part of a church that makes a difference. And so they'll share that, those stories, they'll share the story of like, Hey, our church went and did this thing. That is so fun. We had such a fun weekend doing whatever we did. Instead of doing church on Sunday morning, we went to this town next door and we did this thing, um, which ultimately drives growth. And each one of those little engagements, man, added up over time makes a huge difference. Now, kind of pivoting in a different direction, you mentioned a couple times off the top the kind of Lutheran piece of the puzzle in uh, Frankenmuth. And I know in some communities, in some small towns, the kind of denominational thing is like a big deal. Um, is that, is there, you know, is that like a, a piece of the puzzle? How has that impacted, um, you know, your work at the church? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, I would just say, I mean, so th- this was the, the, the community was founded by German Lutherans mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean, and, and I love Lutherans. Right. And I mean, this yes. is one of the big things that's, that's cool. <laughs> yes. We're, we're all on the same team. Right. I mean, we, yes. um, I think one of the things I would say that, that tends to be common in small towns and, um, and, and, you know, rural communities where people grew up going to a certain, um, church, it, it's funny, but in, in the, in Christendom, you know, sometimes we, we make, you know, the church down the road competition. And, uh, mm. and, and the reality is, uh, we have a common enemy, right? It's, it's mm. not the church down the road. Mm. And so, so for us, um, you know, we, we really want to be part of the church with a capital C. And so a, a big part of our heart was not to like, you know, try to convert Lutherans, right? <laughs> they're, no. they're believers, yeah. right? We, we yes. weren't trying to, trying to, to, to steal anybody from any, any churches or anything. That wasn't our goal at all. We, we felt like there was space for us, uh, being a non-denominational church to just really um, begin to to impact the community around us and those who weren't plugged into a church. And so that was kind of our strategy. But, you know, one of the things for us, um, I think there was some some skepticism. You know, we were mm-hmm. a non-denominational church. Mm-hmm. Um, we we didn't uh, we, we do a believer's baptism, which is a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, weird for some different. people yeah a little and, different yeah for and so friends, there, there's yeah. a there's a little while there where i think people might have thought we were some sort of weird cult or something and so i think a big <laughs> part of it was just um trying to just engage in the community uh trying to to rub shoulders with people in other churches i'm great friend like i'm a really close friends with all the pastors in town they're all amazing mm-hmm. uh the, the, and, and and you know for us um we really wanted to start to celebrate that you know the reality is um uh some of that tribalism can can be um I think a turnoff for the world mm-hmm. around us. So and, true. You, and you look at, you know, man, Jesus and, mm-hmm. and John 17, right at the, at the end of that upper room discourse, he has this, mm-hmm. this intimate high priestly prayer with the father. And what does mm-hmm. he say? And he prays that, that we would be one mm-hmm. as he is one. So true. Yep. And, um, I mean, I just, I just feel like that prayer, like we want to be the church that Jesus prayed for. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Paul in Ephesians four, he says, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. You know, I, I think that idea of, of, um, of being really tribal in that we wanted to break some of those barriers down a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I understand that there are reasons why, mm-hmm. why denominations form and, and churches mm-hmm. might, uh, separate for certain things, but largely mm-hmm. my, my, my heart is that, you know, that the one who unites us is greater than most of the stuff that divides us. And so, mm-hmm. so um, true. we really tried to posture ourselves where we were 
working with other churches. So we did a few initiatives where we actually served with other churches or we did uh, events where we would uh, gather together and, and do things, fellowship with other churches um, in our in our community. Uh, in fact, yeah. every Sunday we pray for a different church in our region um, oh, just because wow, we want to cool. demonstrate. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that that actually has been one of the things that that people find refreshing. Uh, right about about huh. our church so that's cool so yeah so so that's reach out some to of those churches and say like hey we're gonna be praying for you this weekend anything we can be praying for or how's that work are you just people you know or how's that work uh both i what i would say mm-hmm. is if we already know certain things are going on we'll, we'll be praying for that but there are times we just kind of cold call a pastor and say hey what's going mm-hmm. on in your church what can we pray for uh, i just talked mm-hmm. to a pastor um on saturday and mm-hmm. uh, they have a church that's really struggling. And we're going to see if mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of weeks we can invite them in to come on the platform and we can pray over their leadership. You know, I just for mm-hmm. us, that's just a really important, um, important way to really demonstrate uh, again. Yeah, that we have a heart that we're, we're all part of the church with a capital C. Yeah. So pivoting in a kind of slightly different direction, talk about your own journey of leading through, you know, all those different phases. Like you've grown, you know, from... Uh, you've seen the church from a couple hundred people to over a thousand, only 5% of churches make it over a thousand and you're in a community of 5,000. So I don't know that I know anyone that can say that they lead in church that has 20% of the attendance of their, of their, you know, their community like that. That's an, in, those are all interesting phases to go through. And, you know, I believe God's got more for you in the future. How, what's it been like for you as a leader to transition, to lead through all those various phases? Uh, yeah, I mean it's been it's been hard. I, I would yep. say there's a lot, um, there's a lot of pivoting that needs to to, to take place. Um, this is just mm-hmm. uh, maybe a a word of um, encouragement for any pastor of a small church out there who's listening. I mean, the reality is, um, at, you know, uh, for you first of all, um, there's always hope, right? We believe in the gospel. Mm-hmm. We believe that God does the impossible. And so one of the things is I just, you know, trusted that God was going to provide for a church. And in all honesty to you, Rich, this is helpful to explain. We we were positioned for growth. I don't want to overstate, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the miraculous. Mm-hmm. We, we were debt-free mm-hmm. and we had about 200 people who said, you know what, ride or die, we're with you, buddy. Let's because do we've it. Been yeah, yeah, totally. So much. They were, yeah. they were on, they were on board. And so, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes, you know, I, I would even say sometimes you can leverage a crisis because the reality mm-hmm. is when, when our church was dwindled in half, a lot mm-hmm. of the people who were unwilling to change ended up transitioning out. And so what we were mm-hmm. left with was a really strong core. We had mm-hmm. no debt. And so we started from there to really cast vision for the future. So, mm-hmm. but, but through that process, to go back to your question, um, for me, uh, outside of the Bible, the number mm-hmm. one resource that I've used to, to learn mm-hmm. how to, how to, how to transition is Tim Keller's uh, church leadership and size dynamic uh, document. Yeah. That is yeah, just yeah. fantastic gold. Gold for yeah. any leader out there who's trying to learn how to transition from 200 to 400 and 400 to 800. I mean, that is just a great resource and it's mm-hmm. free online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll link to it. Uh, we'll put a, uh, th- so I would say that's probably the most forwarded PDF that I've, that I've sent to church leaders because it's amazing. Yeah. Most of the churches I've worked with are that I, and I'm, well, almost all the churches I do coaching with are around a thousand or, or more. And I'll end up talking with churches who are, who are churches are smaller than that. And I'm like, listen, I can give you some thoughts, but really what you need to do is listen to Tim Keller and like, you know, his, it's so clear. And the thing I love about what in that document is he doesn't ascribe a value judgment to varying church sizes. It's just like, Hey, this is what your church needs at these various phases. This is how, you know, to lead it's, it's classic. So yeah, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes for sure. Cause it is a great, a great document. How did that kind of thinking impact your leadership? Maybe, maybe a, a thing or two that has changed over, over the years as you've led in different, you know, different sizes. 
Yeah, I, I think early on, you know, I, I had to know every person's name. Um, right. I had to shake every person's hand. You know, I had mm-hmm. to know, uh, what, you know, when babies were born, we would bring them, you know, uh, would, you know people would stand up or whatever. You, you want to mm-hmm. celebrate that. Mm-hmm. You, you embrace mm-hmm. that small church culture, which is great. And I think that mm-hmm. you want to, when people, if people are in that context, that's a very rewarding time to lead, by the way. And I, mm-hmm. some people the grass is always greener. You know, people look yeah. at ministry and where <laughs> they want to get. And I, man, I will, I'll just tell you, um, in the phase we're in now, and I love it. And I love, I've loved yes. every phase of, of leadership. Um, there was a, there was a phase, uh, boy, maybe, maybe 600 for me was my sweet spot because like mm-hmm. I knew most people and right. the systems, we didn't have to have systems dialed in as well. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, I could come up with an idea on a Wednesday and we could do it on a Sunday. So, I mean, that was, right. that was a, a great season, but the reality is for me, I had to learn how to move from being a doer, uh, to, to somebody who was an equipper, right? I had to move from, um, being involved in all the ministry to beginning to kind of decentralize some of that and to raise up other leaders and uh, get other teams to do things. And, uh, and now the reality is, you know, I, I don't know a large percentage of the people who come in, um, right. And, uh, and my role in many ways, I still try to, you know, connect at the door and, mm-hmm. and talk and shake as many hands as I can and talk to people, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really quick hits. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know the reality of what's going on in most people's lives. And so that transition of, of my role has had to change dramatically, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, and, mm-hmm. and Tim Keller, uh, yeah, it's gold. And I, I, yeah. I love, I loved all he had to say in that, in that document. And so just strongly encourage anybody who hasn't read that to read that. Yeah, it's a simple document. It's an easy read. You can read it in, you know, not long, half an hour or even less. Sure. And Absolutely. but it's uh super straightforward. And shocker, Tim Keller, he's he's a clear thinker. <laughs> you know, amazing. Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, that's great. Well, this has been uh just so fantastic. I really appreciate you uh, you know, just walking through this. There's so much we could talk about. But what else would you say just as we wrap up today's uh conversation, Joseph? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the the big things I would say, um, maybe that I just haven't hit that's really important is just the importance as a, a leader, um, mm-hmm. as a pastor is, um, obviously you want to shepherd well, you want to love people, you want to focus on, um, you know, really being serious about the the ministry of the word and bringing that for anybody mm-hmm. who's a senior pastor out there, a lead pastor out there. But I think a big thing too, is just uh, casting a compelling vision for the future. I, mm-hmm. I think that it's so important that we cast vision. You know, when we, when there's a, a void, um, and the vision casting and the church, someone will rise mm. up and cast it for us. Mm. And, um, so and, true. and that often happens in a smaller church. And so I think just mm-hmm. being uh, cognizant of that, that, that we want to make sure that we're painting a picture of a future that we want to invite other people to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And, uh, we, we serve a big God. And so throughout that process, you know, um, we, we, we went to a relocation, uh, we outgrew our, our old facility as we were through that growth process. And, you know, we had maxed out, we had, probably more cars parked in the lawn than we did in the parking lot. And <laughs> we were, we had closets that we converted the classroom. So we outgrew that facility, but wow. when we were yeah, yeah. Uh, getting ready to do a campaign, we, we didn't have a what, you know, we, we knew mm. we were trying to buy um, or, or build a new location, mm-hmm. but we didn't have a, a what because there wasn't a whole lot available. And so we, we ran a campaign uh, purely based on why, you know, we, we felt wow. like we were at a point um, where if, you know, if we invited new people to come to church, but there's nowhere for them to sit and there's nowhere for them to park. Um, and, and, you know, the, cl- the class is too full for their kids, then, then they're not, they don't feel welcome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we weren't content to do that. So we, we ran a campaign and raised funny, uh, raised funds for that. But mm-hmm. again, it's because we were casting a compelling vision for the future mm-hmm. that we wanted to be mm-hmm. a church that actually could reach people f- for the gospel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
Wow. Uh, for us, that's just been a big part of that journey, you know, is just casting a clear vision for people. So good. Well, Joseph, I really appreciate you being here today. This has been a great conversation. Um, where do we want to send people online if we want them to track with you or with the church? Yeah, you can just go to frankenmuthbible.com. Uh, that's F-R-A-N-K-E-N-M-U-T-H, Bible.com. And uh, yeah, all our resources are there. Are there and and um, and yeah, and if you're in the area and you don't have a church, you want to join us uh, for, for services, you know, we've got uh, services on Sunday morning uh, at 8.30, 10, and 11.30, so people can join nice. us too. Thanks so much. Really appreciate that. Thanks for being here today. And thank you, Rich. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.